Hello, this is Casey again. Welcome back to episode 49. This is part two of two with Christy Buttles. Enjoy. Sound dramatic or poetic, but like the colors were more brilliant. The, the air smelled differently. Like mm -hmm. all of my senses were woken up because it was like I was carrying around this giant weight on my shoulders, this 2,000 pound gorilla on my shoulders that I could never see the face of or put a name to. And when I got this diagnosis, I could now see it and be like, that's what this is. And now that I know, I can, I can like explore that and yep. address it. And it got off my back and I just was just light. I was lighter. I was freer. It was just this freedom of like to this like permission to like live now. Mercy Me has a song that says say I won't. And in it, it says I'm not just going to survive. I'm not I'm not going to survive. Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to live alive. Something mm -hmm. like that. And it's like so true. I had just been like hanging on. And I honestly thought that all the anxiety that I had and the self-hate that I had I was like, oh, it's just because of my stupid traumatic childhood, because <laughs> there's so much more that we haven't talked about Correct. today. <laughs> I just I put it all in that boat. Mm -hmm. It's it's my childhood. I'm just scarred. Yeah. But yes, but <laughs> yes. And <laughs> it's this whole piece of me that I didn't even know existed. And one of the things that was cool is um, after I got this diagnosis, I started sleeping like sleeping like for a the good sleep. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. What is that, right? <laughs> and I like slept. And and to this day, two years later, I'm still sleepy because the anxiety that had robbed me of any type of quality sleep. Um, so I really wanted to like kind of talk about what it feels like to live completely anxious all the time, not just when you're awake, but when you're asleep too. Mm -hmm. Um, like if your car engine is on and it's in park, but you have your gas pedal to the floor that that's the octane i ran on mm -hmm. all the time it didn't matter how good of something was happening how bad of something was happening how boring something was internally i had this hamster on that wheel that just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran i learned later about cortisol and how the flight or flight and mm -hmm. too much cortisol for too long can actually kill your brain cells I believe it. <laughs> the depression fog that you, that we talk about. Yep. I believe it, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I think I might spend the rest of my life trying to explain to the people who've been in my life. Like how bad yeah. we talked about fronting and masking and faking. Nobody knew. Not my husband. Nobody knew like the torture I was going through 24 hours a day, like mm -hmm. tasting adrenaline in my mouth, that anxiousness that always looking over your shoulder and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. And it never stopped. It just was absolutely continuing torture. And I could, no matter how much I wanted, like I'd watch a favorite movie or we'd have a favorite meal or, you know, some, some holiday was happening. I'd still find myself in my bedroom with the door closed with like my head between my knees, just, you know, clawing my face, just couldn't get a grip. Yeah. Anxiety can own you. Mm -hmm. Um, huge stomach issues, yeah. <laughs> man, that's not fun. Mm -mm. Nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can go all the way around the world with that one. Um, and then it's just this like downward spiral of being exhausted I'm living with such high anxiety all the time. And then the depression, it's kind of like the anxiety B 
beats you up till you fall down. And then the depression comes and just kicks you when you're down. And doesn't stop. Never. I mean, it's even hard to get up and brush your teeth or take a shower. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's a bright, sunny day, it's cloudy. Yeah. Because why? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is it? What does any of this matter? Correct. I mean, I've told my family before, like, you know, I keep my toes on the edge of this cliff and I can't go over that cliff again. I did that once. I'm not going to do that again. Um, it requires a lot of work to stay in a good, positive, you know, headspace and life and all of that. Um, it's like anxiety and depression are like those, again, they're like family members that you don't want around. <laughs> but it's like they pull up a chair at the table and go, yeah, well, you know, we're going to sit here anyway. Mm-hmm. Stuck to you at the hip. Yeah. But God, mm-hmm. but God is bigger. In fact, um, Elijah, man. He has a, a, he said something in the Bible that just, when I read it, I just wept and Jezebel was chasing him. and He had just had a big war of the gods with, with all the bales and all of that. And he sat under a broom tree, put his face between his knees and asked to die. And I was like, I get you. I love that in the Bible that they were just people. Mm-hmm. Just like you and me feeling exactly what we feel. And I was like, wow, you, wow, I get that. And so um, with the healing for two years of just accepting this about myself going, oh, I'm not made with like leftover parts. It's just my parts look a little different. Like I'm just made for a unique purpose. Correct. We all are. And okay, I get very socially awkward. (laughs) And And that's okay. I don't know what to do or say. (laughs) And all that anxiety comes. and, And now I can almost like laugh. Not at, but with myself. Yeah, and own it. <laughs> and own it and go, okay, I think I might need to step out for a second. <laughs> yep. Instead of having to rehearse or go into another room and have a, you know, pan- mm-hmm. panic attack, you're able mm-hmm. to just remove, take some breaths and yeah, come back in when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. And my mind thinks differently. Um, I had one thing that was funny that the doctor found out in the testing. She's like, you have like a wicked savant level, high processing speed. She's like, it's pretty much off the chart. I'm like, really? That's fascinating. <laughs> and um, and that part of the testing that we did to show that, what I didn't know at the time, was fun. I was like, let's do it. Let's just, <laughs> I, that was a very strange time. Because she was like, you're wearing me out. I'm like, what? Let's go. Let's go more. Because <laughs> she was like, tell me these nine numbers in ascending order or descending order or um, backwards. And I was like, you know, the be nine numbers, 10 numbers. And she was like, I'm out of flashcards. <laughs> Then you see a squirrel or something happened, and saw, then you were. I did. I saw. Or, I saw. A, she had a dog calendar. I love that's dogs. That's what it was. A dog calendar. It was this little pug dressed up in a ghost sheet because it was a Halloween. It was October, and it, the pug caught my eye. And then I was like, "Oh darn! I lost my train of thought." She's like, "Good, because I'm out of flash." That's what it was. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of fun." So anyway, um, but but. I also, it's embarrassing when um, you're in a public setting and that doesn't go so well. And I had a high school teacher that we had to sit in an auditorium and our seats were labeled with a letter and a number, alphabet, letter number. And the way he would take up the tests were um, foreign to me. I did not understand the way he did it, but he would like put them in the scanner and like read out, like if you're number C7, you would know right then what your test grade was. Okay. But they had to be collected in a certain order so they'd be in the right order. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one time I had to be on the end to give him the paper, <laughs> they were all jumbled because I didn't understand his process. Yeah. And it was every everyone on that row was really mad at me because um, he just he, and he sits on the stage like he's Oz or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, and looks like out Oz. and 
And he's like, he just kind of throws up his hands. He's like, what is this? And he just stopped. So everyone after me didn't get their test grade. And they're all like sneering at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I did not understand at all yeah. how he learned. it just was foreign to you. Totally. It's just and my... it makes sense now. Yeah. Oh, totally. But at the time, you're like, I don't get this. Everybody else could do it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are you doing it the way you're doing it? You know, instructions are super hard. Yeah. Like, in fact, uh, I'll I'll tell my husband if if we're gonna um well all of us have taken a million COVID tests by now and every brand has a little different way you do it and mm-hmm. I'm now I'm like you just do it show me how to do it I'm like I can't <laughs> these eight steps I don't know I don't know <laughs> so learning how to like accept my brain yep and accept my emotional self um also led me to EMDR so you can go onto EMDR.com and find an EMDR specialist anywhere in the country near mm-hmm. area. I think you just put in your zip code or something. Um, she is amazing. And okay, I've already told you I've had counselors, you know, love that. Love talk therapy. There's in my world of mental health, there's a place and a time and a season for every type of therapy. Correct. Um, for me personally, EMDR is like the rock star because it's like six months of talk therapy in, in one hour. Yeah. So I'm not an expert on this, but yeah. the way I can explain it as a layperson <laughs> is that uh, whether you're tapping or she's like, you know, what? Well, how do you say this over invisible? <laughs> uh, side to side motion with side the to fingers. Side to side motion with your fingers. <laughs> um, or so, vibration. Yes. Any of those type of things. Um, what what I understand to be doing is it's basically busying your conscious mind. Yep. So your unconscious can now have a say. And that mm-hmm. unconscious, that little girl from the birthday party, yep. that little girl finally has a voice and she has a space to talk. And it is unbelievable. It's funny. You call this the rabbit hole show. And it's just like you start an EMDR over topic A and you wind up on like rabbit hole W going, mm-hmm. what? And and so um, I can give you a quick example of that just yeah. happened this summer. So uh, my 21 year old got his tonsils out. I got mine out at 26. It is not fun. I've never had mine out. Um, you don't want to do it now. No, I won't. I'm just... <laughs> As an adult, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. In fact, the nurses forgot to take the uh, breathing tube out of my throat when I when I regained consciousness. So I had this big tube in my throat and I'm like, and they're like oh, she's awake. But anyway, I digress. And I was eight weeks postpartum. That was a very bad idea Ooh. to ever do surgery when you have an eight week old baby. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that's a lot. I digress. <laughs> um, what were you saying? Um, <laughs> The EMDR rabbit hole W. I got lost in how bad the tonsil experience was. It was really bad. That's why it's called the rabbit hole show. It was really bad. Okay. So so our son had them out and he was going to be leaving for Europe for this backpacking trip. So we were on a fast pass to like heal him up. So one night at like quarter to 10, this was just this couple months ago this summer. He says, I think I could do a cookout milkshake. I'm like banana oh. pudding with extra <laughs> vanilla know, right? wafers is mine. Did 40 flavors. That's yours. That's I I don't think I've gotten another one ever. <laughs> did you know that you can actually ask for ones that aren't on the menu? Kind of like Starbucks that have like a secret menu. Uh, I did not. Yeah. But I won't because I, I like <laughs> you mine. Yours. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so um this was the week in the summer where we had like triple digit heat. Oh yeah. Okay. So we go and it was like triple digit gas prices the first time they really spiked. So we drove all the way across town and at 10 till 10, the cookout line was like 10 cars deep. So we're going, do we run the gas to run the air? Do we not? Like, 
gas is like a thousand dollars a gallon and like mm-hmm. what do we do but he needs the air i sat in the back to give him the air vents my husband was mom. driving well you know you do what you do <laughs> i would do anything for my kids my mom's done a lot so oh man it's just the best job in the whole world it really yeah. is. so um not the easiest but but the best i was about to say it's not easy <laughs> no um because you love them so dang much you just want to like want to shake them and be like what are you doing <laughs> But you don't want to shake them because then DSS might get involved. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. So, yes. <laughs> so we're in cookout line and it's so hot. So we're like, okay, we'll run the air. But uh, he, we finally get up there and I'm starting to feel a little bit trapped in the back of the Jeep. I'm like, this is not fun for me. I'm not getting much air and I'm trapped back here. And now we're stuck. There's cars in front of us and behind us. So we can't even like get out yep. of line. Yep. So I'm re- I don't like feeling that way. So I'm trapped. So I'm like, oh, just breathe. So we get up through the line. We get the milkshake. He takes one sip of it. And he's like, mm, 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 mm. and he hands it back to me like, mm, like, take it away, take it away. It, d- it did not go well with his scabs. And right then I felt like I was going to throw up. And I was just like, I have to get out of this car now. But I kind of can't because <laughs> we have to go home. And I just kind of put my head in my hands and I'm just like, okay, yeah. breathe. And so I talked with my therapist and I was like, okay, I have something to discuss today. <laughs> I said, and I told her about the whole cookout thing. And I was like, all I could do was flashback to my mom's last car ride. Mm. And I, I was like, it was a bad day. And I've known it was a bad day. I did not know how much pain I'm still carrying from that until this thing in cookout just happened. So um, she was having a good day. And felt <clears throat> felt like going for a car ride, which would wind up being her last one that she ever had. So my grandmother and I were like, I got home from school and we we're like, okay, we'll go for a car ride. So we laid her down in the back of the Cadillac, mm-hmm. um, holds a lot of memories. And um, my grandmother and I, she drove and I was in the passenger seat and we started to just drive. We got about three blocks and my mom just completely melted and was just broke down and weeping. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And so my grandmother's like, okay, 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 okay. And she's trying to turn this giant car around and, and I'm reaching over the seat and I've held my mom's hand. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We're going to, we're going to go home. It's okay. It's okay. But I knew that that was horrible, but I didn't realize like what that did to me. Mm. And through EMDR, it brought me to down these roads that I, no pun intended, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, uh, that I didn't expect. Like I knew that it was like, stressful and anxiety filled and heartbreaking, but I didn't know how much anger was attached to that. That was what EMDR did for me and that I was holding on to this silent like anger that it, when we got down to the root of it, it was just like, I was like, I should not have had to be the one. I was like acting like her husband and she needed to have a husband there and I needed to have a dad there. I was, I should, that should, that was not my role. Yeah. And I mean, all these years, that was 1980. Seven. All these years I've been carrying anger, like all in at a cellular level, we carry emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And I've been holding on to that. And through several sessions <laughs> of EMDR about it, I was finally able to come to peace with that moment. And it's like, it's like I, t- I tell my therapist, I'm like, you know, it, it's like looking back at your life that's kind of scorched earth. And what EMDR does is it kind of puts out all the smoldering fires that yeah. maybe you didn't know. Like we were in Yellowstone this summer and they had all these basins, these thermal, hot thermal basins. Mm-hmm. And it said all these signs like, you know, don't walk on this thermal ground because it could be a quarter inch thick 
or a foot thick, but you don't know. And you could like step in the wrong spot and like fall into one. In fact, someone had when we were there, which Ooh. is really kind of gross. But anyway, so um, and very sad. So, you know, not to walk on the thermal ground. And it, that's kind of what it is with like when you look back at your past and it's things that you don't even want to remember, don't even want to talk about because you're just kind of like, nope, I'm just going to go forward because that yeah. that hurts too much. Um, it's hard because you're walking on this ground that you don't know if it's a quarter inch thick or a foot thick. And you mm-hmm. don't. And what EMDR does, it just kind of gives you a handrail yep. to, to kind of to take those one step at a time feel it out feel the ground and be like okay we're not going to go there we're going to go to the left you know and so um i highly i'm like a poster child for it i've told everyone i know about it because it has brought such an an expedited healing to Mm -hmm. my life between that and um the autism diagnosis and the fun i've had with it because it's like i can just be myself now for the first time Yeah, it's freeing. Right? So in first grade, oh, was it kindergarten? One of the two. Um, we were learning how to color because back then life was simple and that's what you learn. And it was kindergarten. Yeah. And we would have like an alphabet letter come in and some of you dressed up as like the letter M and come in and be like, mm-hmm. all, what all words start with M, you know? And so one day we we're learning how to color and um, the teacher taught us. And so at the end she goes, okay, class, so do we color inside the lines or outside the lines? And everybody went inside the lines and I went outside the lines <laughs> and they all looked at me <laughs> like I was a freak of nature back then I can remember that and you know something I stand by it color yeah. outside the lines be different and someone asked me why and I was like if I had to answer that question all over again I would still answer the same way and they're like why and I said because if you're coloring inside the line then you know what the object is like I'm looking at a chair that's a chair So, okay, there's different color variations you can do on a chair. Outside the lines is so much more interesting. Mm -hmm. That chair could be floating in space. That chair could be in a jungle. That chair could have a lion sitting on it. Or that chair could be on top of a dinosaur. Like, it's all about the backdrop that's so interesting. And that's what I find with life and maybe with this autism thing. I'm still, you know, learning to be friends with them. Like, outside the lines is far more interesting and colorful and creative. So if that's where I was meant to be, I'm okay with that now. And, yeah. and um, I, you know, some people I know still have a hard time accepting the diagnosis. They're like, I don't see it. And I'm like, I've also had five decades to practice masking, masking faking, and fronting. About. Yep, yep. <laughs> I get really good at mimicking. I mm-hmm. can, because I don't know how to read a room. Correct. Like I told, I said to a friend of mine recently, I was like, when someone starts to cry in front of me, I have no idea how to respond. I mean, I'm feeling all the feels. I'm empathetic. I'm compassionate. I'm sympathetic. I get it. But I have no idea how to physically respond. Am I supposed yeah. to start crying too? Do I reach out and hold their hand? Do I touch their shoulder? Do I offer to pray with them? Like what? what is expected Sometimes to be? Sometimes like a guy when a girl's crying next <laughs> to him, you're, yeah. what do I do? <laughs> and you're thinking whatever I do is going to be wrong. <laughs> do I hold her? Do I sit with her? What do I do? Do I scratch her back? <laughs> That's my life. Yeah. <laughs> In any given, like a, a happy situation, you know, I, I have gotten really good and I'm not proud to say this, but I'm really good at imitating. I can kind of chameleon in because I, re- I just don't know what to do. The old, the old me though, this, the, that had the self hater would then go home and be like, 
You so fumbled that ball. Yeah. You just were horrible. You couldn't have done that worse. And there would be days of shaming myself mm-hmm. for that. And intrusive thoughts. And Oh, my but gosh. But now you know why. Now I know why. And now, because I know why, I can literally just tell the person, what do you need from me right now? And that's a lot of time, you know, just listen or just be here with me. And yeah. And because and, uh, it's weird. I have a really strong, like, like, I believe, like a God given gut and intuition on things. But the cerebral part, I'm kind of all over the map. And so I am now able to go, what did you mean? Tell me more. I don't understand. Mm. Yeah. You know, because I maybe don't understand Correct. what they're trying to say. <laughs> and before I would just try to like do this, all this weird overcompensating mm-hmm. in my brain and make up what I think they're trying to say. And then I make up a reaction to that. And then I go home and go, oh, that was totally wrong. And then I'm going to chew on that for four days. Yeah. It's exhausting. But it shows the person that you truly do want to know and be empathetic or to yeah. whatever their need is. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone could just take a big breath, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And um, I think I told you that uh, for the eye contact thing, um, I, when I had to get my prescription sunglasses uh, re- refilled, that's not really a good word, uh, renewed, whatever, got new ones. Every two yeah. years you get a new pair, um, according to insurance. So I got ones with a silver metal, like silver mirror reflectors. Mm-hmm. So nobody can see <laughs> where I'm looking because <laughs> I'm intently listening because that processing speed thing It's different. I can I can tell you everything you just said, but I might need to be looking away, you know, so um, the the sunglasses are really cool. I like hiding behind them. (laughs) Well, it keeps me relaxed. Correct. Yeah. So the anxiety kind of just stays at a low. And um, I will say that uh, when this diagnosis came out and I have spent two years kind of like processing it. I spent a long time. I maybe this is gonna sound really weird. I'm gonna say it anyway. Say it anyways. I spent a long time just apologizing to myself. I am so sorry. I was so hard on you. Yeah. I was so unnecessarily mean. I am so sorry. And I just went through this time where I just like I had to forgive myself. And I don't know that I'm at the point of love myself yet, but I kind of like myself now. That's the first step. That's a big step. I saw um a reality dating show one time where she was like, I'm dating myself. I've been dating myself for 10 years. I'm like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But now I kind of like in a way jive with that. That's I'm what like, I'm kind of doing now. Cause I'd never been alone up until beginning of April into March. And so figuring out who I am. I mean, it's, it's been hard, you know, I don't like being alone, but it's needed and giving myself time to figure out who I am and what I like. Well, why don't you like being alone? I've always been around people and the noise calms me, you know, I think with intrusive thoughts and just anxiety and depression in the past, being alone makes it a lot easier to hear those noises in your head and um, easy to escape when people are around. So when you're alone, you have to sit with those thoughts and that can be hard. I think that would be really, really hard if that's not where your comfort zone is, the, the ambient noise of life. Yeah. And for me, I spend, spent so much time over-processing all that ambient noise of people and circumstances mm-hmm. and running myself literally into an early grave because you're not doing your body any favors by <laughs> treating yourself mm-hmm. like that. Uh, being alone is, is where I get my juice, which is, a, as an introvert, that's, yeah. you know, very in line. But, like, the, the less, the better. Like, now I know if there's a social occasion, like this t- today is yeah. great. Yeah. I'm going to need to not talk to anyone tomorrow. Correct. <laughs> you know but you I mean? know that. <laughs> and now I don't have to, like, 
apologize for it. Yeah. Golly, if I wasn't hating on myself, I was apologizing to everyone for me. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I had no, no idea of who I was or how I fit. It was that square peg round hole thing. Yeah. And, um, and now I'm not trying to fit in that round hole anymore. <laughs> and it is the most liberating thing ever. It's <laughs> and, freeing. Yeah. And I realize I'm not everyone's. I I say bag of tea. I think you're supposed to say cup of cup tea. Of tea. <laughs> I say bag. It still it's works bags, though. So, you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it makes sense and, still. And I realized that's that's great. That's cool. Because <laughs> you know what? Maybe they're not mine. So yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah. So I have been spending time trying to like like who I am. Yeah, and that's important. Um, and you mentioned at Starbucks, some girls in their twenties, I think, had reached out um to you about autism and the diagnosis and um. Just briefly talk about that and how can any women or anyone reach out to you or they can reach out to me and I can connect you who maybe wants to learn more um, about, you know, your situation diagnosis because either they feel it might be the same for them. Um, You know, how can how does that look like with people reaching out to you? Well, I'm a huge advocate for this because, wow, if I had known what I know now, I mean, wow, my life decisions would be so much. I mean, like I'd still be married to the same guy and all that, but like, <laughs> but like I wouldn't be towing this anchor Correct. of anxiety and self-hate and depression. I, would, I wouldn't have been dragging that through life decade after decade, you know, all these years. So, yeah, I wrote about just the testing experience. Um, and I, I plan to do like kind of backtracking from there. Like, why did I get tested? And I'm working on those. Um, so I published that and I've had several 20 somethings reach out and say, Hey, after I read your article, I'm just kind of wondering about myself now. So they're like, what can you tell me about your journey? And so we talk, we chat a little bit about this. One reason why I'm doing this is Mm because I'm hoping that this will kind of reach a broader audience than that one-on-one that's important. But, um, People who don't know how to reach me or whatever, I they can reach you yeah. <laughs> through the show. So, um, so yeah, I I would encourage everyone to, um, if they're interested, please skip the online free stuff. There's so much like it's so vague. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like looking at WebMD and everything says you're dying. Your hangnail, you're dying. You know, it's like it's liability stuff, and I mean, you're just not going to get. It's such a glossed over bird's eye whatever. I just don't believe in those and. Um, I don't think my doctor did either. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you want to go to like a legit doctor who tests for this. And it is harder to find an adult one. Um, most people have by now have been OK walking on two broken legs. And that was me for so many years. It shouldn't be that way. You do not have to walk on two broken legs. You just don't have to. Especially with today's resources and mm-hmm. technology. and Yep. And maybe it's not autism for you, but right. taking that step could lead you to the right next step. You know, yeah. So, um, in, insurance does cover some, doesn't others, all that kind of stuff. It's it's not cheap, but um, what peace of mind is priceless. My future that I have now, that I feel like mm-hmm. time was just added to my life clock as You're far as still quality. Young. <laughs> I'm so young. <laughs> I feel like there's so much. I I'm not afraid to drive on highways anymore. That was so. I'm, I'm gonna just rabbit hole for a quick second. So many irrational fears just fell away. They just fell away from me yeah. with this because I was finding peace with who I was. And um, like Pooh Bear says, no, I think it Christopher Robin said, Pooh Bear, you're stronger than you seem. It's 
smarter than you think and braver than you believe. And and now when I'm driving our big 32 foot RV, pulling a Jeep Wrangler behind like nobody's business and on the highway, on the highway, my husband's working in the back or asleep or something. I'm like, who to thunk? Yeah. <laughs> she who was afraid to take an exit is now, now like, driving an RV <laughs> with a Jeep on the back all over the country in the weirdest places yeah. so anyway so about the testing i would say you know there's no harm in looking um at least you know maybe uh get in touch with a therapist or something that because who first because who knows if this is your thing or not anxiety can take on many many forms and be um reason for the cause of many things so like um for me it was a, it was both the childhood trauma and it was the autism I didn't know about. So, mm-hmm. um, but if people want to email me, it's just Christy Buttles at Gmail. Pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> Dot com. And, um, or you or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I think that if someone's doing what I did, a little deeper dive online, and you just start seeing this reoccurring theme over and over, and you're like, mm. I watched the movie on Temple garden mm-hmm. amazing life story about her amazing i think everyone autism or not should like watch her resiliency and her and her will to um thrive and not survive um so anyway people that are have a hunch and it's funny um i actually know someone who has an autistic autistic 20 something son and when i posted about my article she said i could learn so much from you and i was like i I don't know that anyone's ever said anything more humbling to me because mm. I was I felt so undeserving of that. I'm like, you birthed him. You've lived 24. He's nonverbal. Like he's mm-hmm. higher on the spectrum than I am. And uh, I was like, you've lived 24 seven with him every day. Like there's nothing that I can add. And she was like, you could teach me something about my son. And I thought, whoa. If there's a way that I could help verbalize something, I mean, everyone's different. He and I are different. But if there's anything that I can verbalize to help make their life more um, joyful, more whatever, at peace, I had no idea it would even reach someone like that. So um, I've actually had people reach out that were family members. And mm. like, I'm concerned about one of my kids or whatever. And yeah. I didn't even know it would it's take on a life like many that. People. Yeah. And where can people find your article that you've written? Medium.com. Mm-hmm. Just look up my name. Uh, yeah. So, and I have a blog called real deep um, um, I don't have as much on the autism on that yet. Um, so I was just doing more writing on medium, but, uh, but that blog's been kicking for probably 10 years. So, but um, yeah, so I would just say like, I guess my message is whatever it is that broke your legs, you don't have to live walking around on two broken legs and take the time because you matter. Your life matters. If you're breathing, you have purpose and you don't have to just scrape by. You can live the abundant life that Jesus talks about in 10 John 10, 10. Um, We can live it in him. He is the giver of all good things. And I feel like you talk about like you got a second chance from your story mm-hmm. in a very different way. I feel like I got a second chance. Very much so. Because, uh, you know, the doctors told told my family that stress is what caused my mom's cancer. Literally at 44, she was gone. Mm. And the amount of self-abuse and hate and anxiety and depression and all that, that was literally raging in me at all moments this morning whatever 
it was there. It was raging. And the more it raged, the bigger I smiled. Mm-hmm. No one knew. Um, it does not have to be that way. We can we can heal and we can move forward and we can have a fantastic life. Um, I I have done things since my diagnosis that I never thought I could do. And um, without going into gory detail, <laughs> I volunteered a wolf sanctuary. And uh, oh, my goodness, just getting to go in there and get kissed by wolves, which is a whole nother story mm-hmm. um, and, and work on their behalf. Um, I, I never would have had the courage to do, I wouldn't have known myself enough. Your limits. Yes. Cause I remember when we were at Starbucks, you said, I'm going to do it until I feel like I'm, you know, in danger yes. or death. And yes, you pushed your limits far. I did. Know. So go check out it's mission mission it's written mission colon wolf like mission impossible it is honestly my other people can have disney world as their happiest place on earth mission wolf is my happiest place on earth it sounds from what you told me your experience it sounds you know much better than disney world <laughs> it is it is a place where there are no labels correct and there's no limits and you can do as much as you want to do there. You can volunteer for mm-hmm. a day or a Months, month. Whatever. Yeah. People go to maybe escape, you know, certain things or to work through addictions or whatnot. But it's a place that anyone's welcome, sounds like. And Everyone is welcome. And it's hard work. They, they are off grid and um, they are serious about staying away from humans for the good of the wolves. And yeah. um, I. Even just having the RV that brought us to that place, like I just would have been like, no, I mean, it sounds fun, but that's other people. That's not me. And and now it's this now crazy it is life. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, we have had to conquer so much, like taking, a, driving over an entire mountain pass at 14,000 feet in a vehicle on a two lane switchback hairpin where there's not a shoulder and even the yellow line on the edge is crumpled away. Like it's serious <laughs> stuff. And people were like, you drove over that at night in that RV. The guy, he had a sprinter van. He's like, I give you props, man. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it you at night. You couldn't drive on the highway. Uh-uh. And you were doing that. Well, yes. He. <laughs> so my husband who has a fear of heights has had to work that out on this RV thing. So yeah, I was, uh, it's been a good experience for both of y'all then. <laughs> It's been personal growth experience and, and marriage enrichment. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we've been in some dicey situations and we've also had some crazy mountaintop stuff. So um, I am so excited to say that even if it's like, I don't care that it's a label. Auto- the, the label of autism means nothing to me. To me, oh, so to put it in better words, the doctor at the end of her hours long seven page report said, okay, Christy, so... How are you feeling about it? I looked at her. I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) She goes, I did not expect that. Yeah. (laughs) I I was like, really? She's like, yeah, most people just want to like take this knowledge and tuck it away and hide it and just kind of have it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. This is like live out loud stuff. And and even if something as silly as I was able to finally embrace my favorite style of music, which is EDM. I love house music mm-hmm. and I lived a life that I felt too trapped in myself to even know who I was to know what I wanted. Yeah. And so I've got my EDM sticker on my Jeep and <laughs> this this teenager was loading stuff in from Lowe's into my car one time and he's like, so is this your son's car? And I'm like, no, that's mine. And he goes, <laughs> so I just, I mean, I saw the EDM sticker. I was like, that's 
my two? And he goes, no. And I said, yeah. yeah. And he goes, who do you listen to? And I rattled off like a half a dozen artists. And he's like, golly. He's like, you I weren't just, lying. He goes, I just, I just, I went, you just didn't think it'd be me, right? He's like, no. And that's a problem with society. People assume. I know. I'm like, bring on the bass. Like, yeah. make the windows rattle. Like, yeah. it's awesome. So I, I just, I have been able to live, um, uh, that was going to use the word, it's not the right word. What word am I looking for? Just free. Yeah. I have been free to just have fun and know that what I, because you and I talked about perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So that's actually really crucial piece to the whole autism thing is because I knew I was different enough. I mean, I could blend and I mean, I was on a roll, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just dying a little bit every day inside because yeah. I know I'm just different. And um, to compensate for that so nobody would know, you must not only meet their level, you must surpass their expectations. So everything in life was a competition for me, just inside me, secret little inside. So I had to overperform and overachieve and overdo and I had to do it per perfectly. And perfectionism honestly will make you die young. It just will. Mm -hmm. There's nothing good that's going to come out of yeah. that. So for me to be able to leave the perfectionism back in the old life that I had and give myself room to make mistakes. It's so ridiculous because like I raised three kids going, it's normal to make mistakes. It's okay. But it's then how you we yourself learn. are trying not to make mistakes. Oh, not. Mm, I couldn't make one because yeah. then something might, I might slip in a way that would show something that I didn't understand was happening inside myself. Yep. It might show something too real. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what that was. It didn't have a name or a face. Yeah. So everything had to be done perfect and everything had to be over the top. And it is so nice to simply like apologize now for stuff like, sorry, messed up. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, oops. Oops <laughs> to myself or to other people. Yeah. It sounds silly, but like that's a really big deal to me to yeah. be like, I made a mistake. And look labels at that. don't mean anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. It's freeing. Like, um, I guess we had episode 19. Um, he got diagnosed with bipolar, but it didn't hold him back. It actually was freeing because he was able to know um, how to live and what some of the issues were. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people, like you said, you know, want to stuff it and kind of bury it. And, okay, I got the diagnosis, but I don't want people to know. No, you know, yep. it's um, able to help you kind of mm -hmm. move forward and have a more freeing lifestyle. And the whole concept of burying anything, it is really hard living with ghosts. It's really hard. And whether that be an unforgiveness towards someone or something about yourself you don't understand or something that happened to you, like, man, I just was like this. Um, I was just filled with all of these things that I couldn't deal with. So I just didn't deal with them. And they were taking me down to a really, really dark place. And one by one, years of counseling, wonderful EMDR, working through them. And there's a whole nother life outside just waiting, just waiting. Mm -hmm. and, and people, it's hard to like even want to admit, okay, there might be something to talk about. When I made that first call to that first counselor, I was just like. Probably the hardest call you had to make. It really was like, I mean, it's not that. I know, you know my mom just died and it was like I need to see you this week hmm. <laughs> and I was like oh okay <laughs> but um I mean like I have an entire journey of forgiveness with me and my biological father and by being able to um walk through that journey with him and then I said I asked him we were about to go on our first mission trip to Kenya 
as a family. And I asked my dad, I said, um, can I share our story? And he said, because he's a Christian, he said, hey, anything that brings God the glory, mm. full permission. And I've been able to tell that story so many places now in girls' homes where 100% of them had been victimized um, in front of hospital staff because there was like tribal wars happening. And who knew the story, lifelong story of my dad and I would help calm tribal wars in Africa? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like, you just don't know what God can use until you offer it up and say, fine. I'm not going to hold this anymore. Help me deal with it. Use it how you want to. I'm an open book. Mm-hmm. And um, life is a lot more worth living. I I, I totally get this lifestyle versus yeah. the one that the old me that was just kind of waiting to die. Mm-hmm. It's like, how much longer? Yeah. You ever, did you ever ask yourself that? How much longer? How much longer until I can get to the gun or whatever it may be? You know, how much? Yeah. Thank God, literally, that, you know, none of those happen and that. You know, I got the second chance. And as you say, we're on borrowed time. Borrowed time and and where I was okay with just passing the time, walking on those two broken legs. It's now like a whole new appreciation of the gift of time. Mm -hmm. And we get to. We get to wake up tomorrow, Lord willing. Yeah. We get to have today. We get to share things like this that if one person is touched by it, then everything I've gone through was worth it. Yeah. Because who knows what that one person can hear and then share with someone else. They might be the person that has the 100 million followers or whatever that, but, you know, your story impacted them and they were able to use that to help others. But yeah, so if it helps one, that's all that matters. I mean, and that's, that's absolutely biblical because, you know, the Lord used the shepherd as an example that he will leave the 99 to go find the one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I was that one. I needed to be found. And he did. He, I love the song that, you know, it says that that he crashes through down walls. He, no, he kicks down walls. He runs downstairs. His reckless love, you know, chases after me. I love that song Mm -hmm. because with him, like all things are possible and it might take going through some hard stuff of the therapy and the EMDR and just even just getting at peace with yourself. But if anyone is um, wondering if it's worth it, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's so worth it because there's a lot of life left to live. And I'm I want to get back at it. I'm ready to I'm ready to do it. And now I can do it just like I might be a little janky. I might might not always know like what's happening with social stuff. But I can laugh at it now. Like there's a whole new humor Mm-hmm. Where before I would literally look in the mirror at myself and just Beat say up. horrible things yeah. to myself. Now I look at myself, I'm like, you're weird, but you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go get them. You know? Amen. <laughs> That's new. That's a new concept. So I am kind of dating myself a little bit in the way that, like, okay, we don't we don't hate ourselves now. And now we're finding things that we like about ourselves and they and we'll get to the point. We will get to the point where it might we take a little longer than others, but we'll get there. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm getting the best sleep of my life. That's important. <laughs> it's so important. And I'm ha- and I lost 20 pounds. Okay. And I'm driving highways on an RV and I'm doing all these things that, that you never thought were possible. Yeah, because I oh I just I totally didn't even mention that before, but so food became like my thing, my yes, crutch. Yeah. With my mom, I had this like physical feeling hole in my gut of grief and I didn't know that's what it was. And I would just try to fill it with food. And I was, I think I told you I was watching Perry Mason one day with no life as a 
as a uh, soon to be senior in high school and mm-hmm. I had no nothing just laying on my grandparents couch watching Perry Mason and I looked down and there was 12 soda cans next yeah, to me did, empty yeah. and I was like oh, that can't be good even then I knew that wasn't good yeah. but I had this weird relationship with food because I was standing in the kitchen in my grand- grandparents kitchen and I was like just looking for something to fill that hole in my gut of grief didn't know that's what it was and Jesus spoke to me and he just said eat of me I'm the bread of life and I was like, cool. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was 16. I, I don't know what that means. And yeah. then I reached for whatever's in the cabinet. And someone else may have reached for a cigarette or for alcohol or something. Yeah. Mine was food. Or drugs. Yeah. And back to what I was saying where um, people were like, oh, you know, you're just such a good girl. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Had it not been for God, I would have done anything to escape that pain. I would have done anything. Yeah. Food was as bad as I was willing to go. But that's bad because, you know. It has lifelong implications too. Just like drugs had it for me. Yeah. I mean, cigarettes, lung cancer, food, diabetes, you know, like it's not going to get away with anything. I'll probably have heart problems later in life. Don't speak that into being. (laughs) I hope not, but. (laughs) Well, you know, we're hoping that he's redeeming the whole person. (laughs) But if that's part of it, then that's part of it. It's part of the story no matter what. And, And so that extra weight I'd been hanging on to, I just had no idea. I thought, you know, it's so much easier for someone. Give me a little grace when I say this. It's so much easier for an alcoholic to stop drinking because they can just never pick that up again. Or the smoker can just never pick it up again. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to eat to live or you die. Mm-hmm. So living with this necessary evil is really hard. I can't never eat again. Mm-hmm. I will die. So how do you make amends with that? It's I personally think, and I'm biased, I think it's probably like the hardest struggle because you literally can't not ever do it again. Mm-hmm. So the uh, alcoholic or the you know smoker or drug addict, it might be very, very hard to stop. But once you stop, you know, you can't pick it up. Food you have to um, ingest every day. Every day. <laughs> you might can go by one day, but that's not healthy. No, but no. So yeah. making amends with that has been the hardest thing. And with the diagnosis. So the timeline on that basically was like had the diagnosis and then I'm like, what in the world is going on with my life? Everything just flipped upside down. I'm this autistic person I didn't know. So I spent a year and a half just kind of going, huh, <laughs> you know, and sleeping better and all that. But then uh, once I found enough mental energy <laughs> to um, to be okay with myself, then the physical energy came because like you were saying before, like why brush your teeth? Why? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Like, that depression is still real. It's it's higher and lower at some point, stronger, lesser, yep. whatever. Um, it's there and it's all the time. And it was like, okay, once I got my mind calmed down and my heart was healing, then because I was like, I know it's gonna come. I know it's gonna happen. It's just it's just gonna be the right time. And I didn't realize how much healing I had to do from the inside out. Like if you cut yourself, it's gonna heal from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And so the last piece of it was the physical piece. And it wasn't until like March that I was like, okay, I think I have enough strength, mental, physical, emotional strength to tackle this. So I started doing my fitness pal and taking exercise more seriously. And it just came right off. And it's because I wasn't fighting myself anymore. And I had peace and then I actually had energy to give back to myself. 
So that was a huge component. Mm-hmm. And that you got to have grace for yourself. And when it's right and the timing, you know, yeah, because you got to get your mental health right first. First, you really do. You can't love anyone else if you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would preach that whole oxygen mask thing to everybody else, mm-hmm. but not to me. Yeah. So before we wrap up real quick, what's advice that you have? You've given a lot of advice, but something that has stuck out um, either from counseling or even your mom or grandparents or just something that just pops in your head that kind of helps you day to day. Could have asked. <laughs> you could have warned me. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> what, uh, what sticks out and what it comes back to is, um, is really, it's, it's all about the Lord. It's um, surrendering everything to him. And that might not happen all at once. It might just be like a pinky toes worth, but Mm -hmm. just inviting him in to share the journey. You know, he's here to walk with us, to lighten the load. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Um, He saved my life and he is my, my very best friend. I came into this world with him and I'll go out with him and I know it'll be him and I always, no matter who comes and goes in the middle of it, you know. But uh, but to seriously to do it with him, like um, there's such a beautiful healing when you invite the spiritual self into it, not just mental, emotional and physical. So um, the doctor I saw, the autism I I tested, all that kind of stuff, that was all secular. That's great. The EMDR secular. That's all great. But like my plea to people would be just like, please let go on the journey. He's not going to push his way in. He's a gentleman. He's not going to go where he's not wanted, but he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's going to stand at the door and just knock. So whatever the journey is, um, we've touched on a lot of different kind of topics yeah. today. Whatever are the rocks in your jar, just to just to let God have a chance to, to do them with you. It's a lot easier when you know he's fighting for you. And you don't feel like he's fighting against you because he's not. But like it can feel that way. Like, oh, life is against me, whatever. But just letting God in and ask him to join you on the journey wherever you are, because um, he has a plan and a purpose. And he really, truly does like make the load lighter and all the healing that has to happen. It's a lot easier to do it with him than do it by yourself. So that, that would be what I would say. That's great advice. I ask every guest kind of advice. So I have. And our listeners have tons of advice over each episode. Um, what's your email again for listeners? If anyone need, wants to reach out and kind of talk more with you and get more advice kind of on your journey. Sure. It's just my name, Christy Buttles at email.com. And then your article was on medium.com mm-hmm. and just Christy search your name. name. Mm-hmm. Boom. There's some other stuff on there too. Boom. Yeah. But thank you so much for this um, opportunity. It's an honor to have you on and thank you for your vulnerability. Um, And I'm glad, you know, it's better late than never to get a diagnosis and uh, just the way you've accepted it instead of letting it cripple you, you know, you've allowed it to free you and for you to live your life. And that's important. Best news in the world. Yes. (laughs) Because now we can just be ourselves. Yeah. And, and however our journeys are different, they're so similar. Very. And, and we're all just our journey. Our hope is to just keep moving forward. Yep. With all the junk in the back and life in the front. And let's just do it. Oh, that sounds like a mullet life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I digress. Thank the, you. The past doesn't define you. Um, you know, as long as you learn from it and grow from it. Um, all we have is the here and now. You're not promised tomorrow. Uh, but allow that past to uh, uh, 
you know, prepare you for the future and um, just not hold you back what it did for a lot of us. And that's the purpose of the rabbit hole show for people just to hear other stories and struggles um, and just for them to know that they're not alone because we're not alone in our struggles, even though we think we are alone during those dark times. So thank can I, you. Can I mention one quick thing? Yeah. <clears throat> I forgot. I feel like it's kind of important to add that uh, trying to um, help with the anxiety. I did try things. I tried the citalopram and I tried Zoloft. Yeah, oh yeah. And they both um, let, landed me in the emergency room with like the biggest mother of all panic attacks ever. Like it did the opposite effect. And it was a very micro dose. I remember you were sharing with yeah, me. Yeah, the doctor said anything lower would be a sugar pill. Yep. And um, I took it at 11 o'clock at night and each time I woke up at 2 a.m. So I was totally asleep. Wasn't psychosomatic. I woke up with the worst panic attack ever. So they were like, yeah, you can't take anything that affects your brain. So that's all out. And so then um, when all the anxiety caused um, high blood pressure, like the, I had to go on two heart medications and I have a healthy heart mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was in my 40s and I was like, why am I inside to go on two? And so I tried wine just as like, you know, a calming thing that relax. people do. Yeah. I'd never had alcohol my entire life ever in my life. So first of all, I think I'm allergic to it. <laughs> It makes me sweat profusely. I don't enjoy the taste and it just it makes me hot. So um, in two ounces and I'm gone. So like that didn't work for me. Yeah. So like had to give up that. So that's when I, I reached a des- the whole point of like mentioning why it's so important to have the Lord come in is because I reached a point of desperation where I didn't know what else to do to get mm-hmm. my blood pressure down. Like this was starting to be a matter of my, my physical health and it was worrisome. I had to do, had to buy a blood pressure cuff and do it at home and all this stuff. So, and, and carrying the extra weight and, and then all the um, the cortisol, like killing my brain cells. It was I was going down a bad path quickly, yeah. pre-diabetic, the whole thing, you know. So um, it was when I was like, okay, God, let's reset. Let's just mm-hmm. reset everything. And um, so the, I broke up with food, and and know what doesn't work for me. So um, the the therapy, the EMDR, the Lord, um, and then a lot of good healthy habits have worked. So I just wanted to add that in. That I'm not hating on any medication i know that they're effective for a lot of people but for you it's not for me i physically can't take it so um when i say i tried everything that i could you did (laughs) i did and um so anyway that's gotta find what works for you you do and that's that's part of the message habit not uh drugs or (laughs) don't trade one bad one for another one correct correct (laughs) no 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 no, there's there's a lot of great healthy habits out there mm-hmm. and exercise and sleep are two great places to start. Yep. So, well, thank yeah. you for coming on and your vulnerability. It's been an awesome episode and um, we'll have to have you back on uh, to share more. Cool. So thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in this week to the rabbit hole show. Uh, if you have any comments, want to come on, uh, Shoot us an email, the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com, and then give us a follow on whatever platform you listen to. But thank y'all, love y'all, and stay tuned for next week.